0: It's official, winter arrives today at 12.11 p.m. Eastern Time, in fact. And it will last for three long months. Spring doesn't arrive until March 20th at 1257 p.m. Eastern Time. Good morning, I'm George Podarky, and this is Cityscape on 90.7 FM and WFUV.org. We're all familiar with the phrase the winter blues, but how do you get through the dark, cold months without getting the doldrums? On this morning's show, we're looking at ways to avoid letting the winter get the best of us.
1: It's getting colder and colder every day, and the good News is, is that there's such great fun stuff going around.
0: From knitting to pinball, we're wrestling Old Man Winter to the ground on this edition of Cityscape. We hear people say it a lot during the winter, especially when they're cooped up during a snowstorm. I have cabin fever, but is it a real psychological condition? Dr. Kelly Harding specializes in psychosomatic medicine at Columbia University Medical Center. She joins me now on the phone. Dr. Harding, thanks so much for taking the time to talk with me. My pleasure. First of all, is cabin fever a real psychological condition?
1: Well, I think cabin fever is a general term that people use to describe the feelings that sometimes can come up in winter. Um, I have to say as a physician, when I hear cabin fever, I worry it's not just the winter blues, but it could be something like, you know, major depression with a seasonal component. Um, In the past, this was called seasonal affective disorder. Um, It tends to be something that, you know, begins in late fall, tends to remit in the spring. It's often a yearly pattern that people notice for two or more years.
0: So what are the symptoms we should be looking out for when it comes to this issue?
1: Well, the symptoms tend to be, again, if this were You know, there's the sort of garden variety of, you know, winter blues that we sometimes call cabin fever. And then when it is, there is something more clinical. Um, We often, you know, see things like depressed mood most of the day, every day that goes on for days in a row, you know, low energy, hypersomnia, uh, overeating, uh, weight gain, those sorts of things. Um, You know, people who don't really want to do the things that they normally want to do to the point where it's impacting people's social or occupational functioning. So it goes just beyond, you know, feeling sort of blah because of the weather, but it's actually starting to interfere with the person's life. That's when we start to think about, you know, could this be actually a depression with a seasonal component? Most, you know, this is just sort of an interesting thing. It turns out that it's um, more common among young people. Usually around 20 to 30 seems to be the highest numbers in terms of the demographics. Hmm, but it's is that estimated. Right? Yeah, but it's estimated that it's um, up to 1 in 4, 1 to 5 actually have, you know, a, a depression with a seasonal component, uh, which is pretty striking in northern latitudes.
0: Do we know why younger people are more susceptible?
1: I'm not exactly sure if we understand the biology behind it, but it's just something to notice, and I think particularly for listeners who are in that, that age group or for people who may have kids in that age group just to see if it's something that correlates with the weather. I mean the nice thing is that there are good treatment options out there that are available for people and you know they can be things from the sun lamps that you see advertised. Now those um, need to be, there's lots of companies out there that make lamps that claim to benefit seasonal depressive disorders and they're studies that show that it needs to be within a certain frequency so you really want to make sure that you're getting a medical grade lamp if somebody buys those but there are even things like dawn simulators that people find helpful and then of course there's other things that can be useful with depression across the board you know good treatments with therapy and medications
0: you mentioned the sun lamps because this is not just an issue about being cooped up in the winter months it's an issue of not being exposed to sunlight as much as we are during the warmer months right
1: Absolutely. I mean, the human brain needs sunlight. So, there are things that we can do, um, even for those of us that don't necessarily have what would be considered a clinical depression, there're things that can be done just to make sure that you're actually getting, you know, adequate sunlight. And, you know, from the studies it seems to even be like 20 minutes of sunlight a day can be helpful. So, um, you know, this would include things like um structuring your time so that you make sure that you're out of the house at some point during the day when when there is light now there may not actually be light you know on cloudy gloomy days that goes on but even just some uh, natural light is helpful that includes things like opening windows if you're you know for people that are retired or working at home sitting by a window um, you know doing your work by a window just getting some access to natural daylight
0: what about simply visualizing and thinking about a warm place could that help
1: Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question. Actually, so um, one of my favorite studies is uh, was a Dutch study that showed that um, that thinking about vacation actually gives you a happiness boost, and it may actually be more beneficial than going on the vacation itself, which you know may be stressful in its own way. Um, and the studies showed that that. That effect actually was fairly profound and lasted about eight weeks. So that's probably enough to get some people through the winter months sort of planning a vacation in the future. Um, now whether you actually go on it, that's another issue. But even thinking about it um, seems to be helpful. And, and, you know, for some people financially it might not be a reality to be able to escape to a warm climate. But um, But, you know, starting to do the legwork of it in itself might, be beneficial for people. And I think it's um, it's good for all of us to keep in mind that our brain is just this amazing, has this amazing ability to use our imagination to transport us to other places. And that in itself, the visualization seems to be important.
0: That also makes me think about aromatherapy and whether just sniffing suntan lotion might help us get through the winter.
1: <laughs> no, I like that because actually um, scent is a very powerful uh it's very powerful in terms of emotion. And, you know, people, there have been studies that show, you know, sense, um, music, things that can boost your mood can be helpful. Um, I think just coming back to the idea of sort of if for people that are feeling stuck and getting that sense of restlessness that can come with winter and cabin fever, um, you know, there are lots of things. Including planning for a vacation, things that sort of are goal-oriented and future-oriented can help people move through this time period in a productive way. So, sort of planning for uh, planning for future events certainly is one of those things. Um, the other thing is, for some people, you know, just back to this idea of getting some sun. If you, you know, if you can't beat them, join them, kind of thing. Uh, for instance, um, I know myself when I moved to a much colder climate. Someone gave me the the advice to embrace the snow. And I have to say, it's very helpful. And the studies sort of back that up. If you can, you know, take on a winter sport, you know, go outside and build a snowman, do things to actually participate in the weather, that not only um, is helpful for. Diminishing restlessness, but it actually gets you out and it gets you social, which is another way to try to get through this time period.
0: You mentioned that younger people tend to be more susceptible to seasonal affective disorder, but do you know whether men or women are more susceptible?
1: Well, like depression in general, it seems to be more women heavy, but men are also affected, but not to the same degree probably as women. You know, just uh, this conversation is reminding me of something that. Um, that I, I saw this study that I thought might also be helpful for people with cabin fever that apparently plants and indoor plants um, can, be, um, can boost levels of happiness and reduce stress, which I thought was really interesting. It's sort of this idea in winter of bringing the outside in as mm-hmm. much as possible. So, um, you know, so if you have a green thumb, this is a perfect time of year to, to cultivate those plants.
0: We talked about the symptoms, but really let's get to the bottom of this for someone who might be listening and, you know, feeling like, okay, I feel a little bit of the winter blues, but how do they know it might not just be the winter blues and maybe they need to take a step and seek some professional help?
1: Absolutely. So so any time that someone's thoughts start to turn towards that life isn't worth living, then it's definitely time to seek help. We're fortunate to live in a city with very good mental health services that are out there and Absolutely. That's the time to come. They can either, you know, try to call and make a referral or, you know, if if things are so bad, they can also come to the emergency room as well.
0: All right. Dr. Kelly Harding, thank you so much for your time. My pleasure. That was Dr. Kelly Harding. She specializes in psychosomatic medicine at Columbia University Medical Center. As Dr. Harding mentioned, there are a number of ways to get your mind off the cold. We here at Cityscape took it upon ourselves to search out a few things you might or might not have thought about as winter pastimes, like pinball. A new pinball machine showroom in Manhattan allows visitors to play as much pinball as they want for a flat rate. Cityscape producer Veronica Volk checked it out and talked with the owners and pinball enthusiasts.
2: My name is Steve Epstein. I'm one of the owners of Modern Pinball NYC. I was a six-year-old child. My father managed... An amusement arcade in Newark New Jersey used to bring me into on Sundays and I used to play as a kid used to bring a milk crate out used to put me on top of it and for some reason I had a good uh, ability to play pinball even as a young child so actually that experience really melded itself to a very positive uh, type of experience and that's what got me uh, very excited about and interested in playing pinball Later on, uh, my dad uh, bought an amusement arcade on 52nd and Broadway in 1961 called the Broadway Arcade. And as a high school kid, I went to work there on weekends, and uh, after college, I started working there full time. Back in those days, in the early 60s to the mid 70s, there weren't any pinball machines in New York City, they were illegal in the five boroughs. The uh, companies in the late 40, no, I'm sorry, in the late 30s, early 40s, started adding a payout to their pinball machines to compete with, at that time, what were called gray area slot machines that were in the, in very much populated around the city. And LaGuardia, Theodore LaGuardia at, at, became a crusader at the time and wanted to eliminate all gambling. So what he did was he lumped in the pinball machines because they were paying out pennies and nickels along with the slot machines, and he banned them. In 1976, a gentleman named Roger Sharp uh, testified before the uh, Consumer Affairs um, Commission to prove that uh, pinball was a game of skill and not of luck. And uh, he was able to show them a few interesting shots, and was able, and they cleared pinball to be again operating in New York City. We are very lucky in the sense that this space, which is on uh, 26th Street and 3rd Avenue, has a huge demographic of older people and very young people and a lot of people in between. We have a lot of college dorms and uh, colleges nearby. We have a lot of young adults with uh, just getting out of school. And we have a lot of young families with a lot of young kids. So we're really attracting a whole new group of people, which was really the reason we located here, to the experience of playing pinball. Pinball is, it's sort of, life. I mean, it has really opened many doors for me. It is. Uh, oh, I have been able to uh, create uh, competitive pinball with my friend Roger, uh, which is now going great guns in in, the, in around the country and the world. Uh, that's very satisfying. Uh, it's been an integral part of my life. It has brought me many, many, many very good experiences, plus five or six incredibly close friends. <laughs>
3: My name is Steve Zoller, and I'm a partner here with Steve Epstein at Modern Pinball NYC. I was playing pinball since six years old, so I've been a fanatic um, at a very, very early age. I knew it was something you know, that I wanted to do, like just to play, to be involved with. Believe it or not, at a very early age, I even wanted to be that guy with the keys that opened the coin doors and hooked up the games and fixed the machines. Fast forward, and now I'm here, oh, we decided when... We were talking about setting up modern pinball NYC. Uh, that we weren't going to bring in video games. It was going to be a pinball only uh, retail sales store and interactive showroom. Which an interactive show- showroom is our uh, new concept, which is that you're actually paying for time. It's like an admission fee to play the games. And so someone can come in here for a half hour, hour, or all day if they want, and you know for a fee and play whatever games they want in our entire collection as many times as they want. They don't have to put in any coins because it's not an arcade. Uh, They just go over to the pinball machine, press the start button, and have a blast. Pinball uh, is one of my favorite things, you know. My father got me
4: started on it when I was very young, you know. I would go to the arcade, he would set up like a little milk crate for me. My name is Nicholas Lombardo, I'm 32, I'm from Long Island, and I do a website called The Arcade Hunters. Favorite games in here, I really love uh, Terminator Judgment Day, another game going back from my father and I would play it, uh, Fun House and Twilight
3: Zone. There's a lot of great ones in here. My name is David Chase, I'm 31, and I love pinball. Ultimately, it's about keeping that ball going and going and going and playing as long as you can, and the longer that, you know, the longer that you keep it in there the more enjoyment you're going to have. Also, it can be a little frustrating where you just keep on hitting that button because you know you can do a little bit better on the next game. A little bit better, oh, no, and that's another great part about it. You could have the best game of your life, and then all of a sudden, on that next one, it could last 30 seconds, and that's it. You just never know what's going to happen with pinball, and it always keeps you on your toes. Ever
4: since I was a young boy, I've made the silver ball. From Soho down to Brighton, I must have played them all.
0: Modern Pinball is located at 362 3rd Avenue in Manhattan. Their online address is ModernPinballNYC.com. Pinball is a classic game that could help you beat the winter doldrums. But if you're looking for something even more traditional, you might want to try your hand, or both hands for that matter, at knitting. Knitting. The Lion Brand Yarn Studio in Manhattan offers knitting classes. I recently checked out one of their offerings.
4: You've got your working yarn coming off the left tip of the needle. My name is Gretchen Fancher, and I am the studio director of Lion Brand Yarn Studio. I had a baby about 15 years ago, 14, something like that, and started knitting then and really stuck with it at that point. When you finish knitting a row, this is where your working yarn is, right? Mm-hmm. So you want to slide it to the other end. I realized so that um, while I was pregnant that. at some point that neither of his grandmothers were going to knit for him, and somebody had to. <laughs> and I really had loved knitting. I had put it down for a while at that point, and I thought um, it was time to pick it back up again.
2: I'd knit and knit.
4: I love knitting because I can choose my projects according to how difficult. I need them to be. So if I'm really busy and stressed out and have a lot going on in my life and I just want something that's going to be simple and relaxing to do, I can pick a really simple project. And if I'm kind of bored and I need something to challenge me, I can choose a challenging project and really push myself as a knitter to learn new things. And there's always new things to learn, and there's always people... Coming up with fascinating designs and new things to do. And it's got great variety, and I can really sort of pitch my activity to whatever I need.
0: Just
1: you stick
4: to your knitting, dear, and the hours will run. It's um, a great time of year to be knitting, and we get very busy. We get a lot of people deciding that they've always wanted to learn to knit, and this is going to be the year, and coming and taking classes here learning how to knit scarves and hats and mittens. It's a really wonderful thing to use things that you made to watch you know, your friends or your family put on the hat that you made for them and really enjoy it and it keeps them warm. We have everything from absolute beginner, knitting and crochet, weaving, dyeing, felting classes, so you don't have to have any prior experience with any of those skills to take the classes. And then we have master classes with authors and designers who come and teach classes here. So from beginning to really advanced classes. I started my adventures in knitting when I was 11. (laughs) I was 11 years old, so I haven't been knitting that long. (laughs) It's like taking this ball, and miraculously, this ball becomes a hat, a scarf, a sweater. It becomes something out of nothing. You can do magic. You can have anything that you desire. It's just the fact that you can take this and two wooden sticks. And make something. I mean, that has always been amazing to me. The same thing with crocheting. You take one stick, and you make something out of this ball. And it has always amazed me that you can sit there and do that. And relaxes you at the same time, even though you may get frustrated, like, but the pattern says, you know, and you fight with yourself, but you, you eventually get over it.
0: My name is Vernon Adele, and I'm from Queens, New York.
5: It's an inexpensive leisure time activity that uh, is a great stress reliever. We even say it's the new yoga. My name is David Blumenthal, president and CEO of the Lion Brand Yarn Company. Lion Brand Yarns have been on the market since 1878. Someone asked me, like, why Lion Brand? And uh, I said, uh, I guess... uh, we were wise enough to pick the king of the jungle. Many yarn companies were named after various uh, animals. Uh, Interestingly enough, there was Bear Brand, there was Tiger Brand, there was Fox Brand, and um, we picked the king. The creative process is something that uh, is beyond the price. And uh, when someone creates a scarf or a baby blanket or whatever, and gives it to someone, the first thing they say, you made that for me, you made that. A handmade item, there's no price on it.
4: Another fun thing to do, which I'll demonstrate a little bit later in the class, I've seen people add I-cord around eyeglass chains or headphone cables.
5: And you can put
4: you can put beads on it. And that, you know the first time i tried this i thought like
0: The Lion Brand Yarn Studio is located at West 15th Street between 5th and 6th Avenues in Manhattan. You can also find them online at lionbrandyarnstudio.com. Finally today, the winter can pose a challenge for parents. But just because it's cold outside doesn't mean there's any less to do for families in New York City. Enter Rory Halperin. She's the editor for Time Out New York Kids. Rory, thanks for taking the time.
1: Of course. Thanks for having me.
0: Now, I'm not sure if you know, but we pretty much called on you to save the day.
1: Well, that's perfect. That's what Time Out New York and Time Out New York Kids is here for.
0: Good, because it's winter It's going to get colder outside, and we need you to help stop the spread of cabin fever.
1: That's such a good point. It's getting colder and colder every day, and the good news is is that there's such great, fun stuff going around in the city this year and indoors, which is really important when it's cold and especially when it starts snowing eventually.
0: So what are your top recommendations?
1: Well, first, um, one thing that we definitely suggest is the Museum of Natural History, which, you know, it sounds like a, an obvious choice. People love going there, but, you know, year after year, month after month, everyone we ask, whether kids, adults, um, celebrities that we chat with, they always recommend the Museum of Natural History as a great place to spend a day when it's really cold out. Um, what's really exciting right now is they have a brand new exhibit that just opened on November 16th. It's called the Power of Poison, um, and it focuses on a bunch of different things about poisons found in nature and how they work. But it's not 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 too scary. It's you know really exciting for kids and for adults to kind of learn about. So it's very hands on. Um, movies you can watch and lots of things in that exhibit. While you're there, they have the Origami Holiday Tree, um, and this year all the Origami ornaments are actually based on this Power of Poison exhibit. So while you're there, you want to check that out. And then, of course, while you're in the museum, you can stop at the planetarium. They have a brand new space show that just opened up also a few weeks ago. And then just check out the normal exhibits, the dinosaurs and the big whale and everything like that.
0: I know the American Museum of Natural History also has the night at the museum. You can camp out there. You
1: can. Can, can you and do that, that in the winter? You can. They have um, certain days throughout the winter, so definitely check their website for that. And that's such a fun of event um, for kids. You know, you can pretend like you're in the movie, and how amazing is that, right, to sleep at the museum? I mean, it doesn't get any cooler than that. That's kind of a, an only-in-New-York-City type thing.
0: Now, I know you also recommend going to the New York Hall of Science.
1: Right. Now, the New York Hall of Science, um, you know, over in the Bronx, is definitely a, a great place to to spend the afternoon. There's tons of hands-on activities, tons of little things like that. But what's really great about it um, is that they have this brand new gingerbread lane, which has popped up. And it's a huge, huge area with all these gingerbread houses and everything is made of gingerbread. So there's 152 gingerbread houses, 65 trees, four cable cars, five train cars, and they're made of approximately 500 pounds of gingerbread dough which is pretty impressive, right? (laughs) Um, 1,900 pounds of icing and 400 pounds of candy. Wow. And it's actually a contender for the Guinness World Record as largest gingerbread creation in the world. As it should be. As it should be, (laughs) yeah. So that's going to be up through January 12th. And then on January 12th, the entire village is going to be dismantled and given away to the public on kind of a first-come, first-served basis. So if you want any of it, you should show up that day. Um, But there's also going to be, throughout the month of December, um, gingerbread building workshops and and different things like that while you're, while you're at the museum. And that's just such a, such a wonderful place to go.
0: I would think for a lot of people, the New York Botanical Garden wouldn't be the first thing that comes to mind when thinking about what to do during the winter, because a lot of it is outdoors, but you can do things indoors there as well. You
1: can, and it's so true. You know, people always think, oh, the Botanical Garden is something that you would go to in the summer or spring, Um, but one of their most popular, popular activities is actually during the holiday season, and that's their holiday train show, Um, and that kicked off um, earlier in November, and it's around till January 12th, um, and there's over 140 replicas of New York City landmarks um, made out of twigs and leaves and barks and plant parts and and pretty impressive to see. So you can see mini Radio City Christmas um, Music Hall, the St. Patrick's Cathedral, the Brooklyn Bridge, and then there's little trains that kind of go throughout the entire set. So while that's so amazing to look at for kids, equally as exciting for adults to look at. And then throughout, again, you know, similar to the Gingerbread Lane, throughout the course of the exhibit, there's um, different workshops and different things that you can take part of.
0: Now, isn't that also essentially in their hot house so it feels like 80 something degrees? It
1: is. It's in there, yes. It's in the conservatory, so it won't be as cold in there as you would have hoped.
0: Talking about holiday train shows, isn't there also a holiday train show at Grand Central?
1: There is, and that one's really great. It's completely free. It's part of the Transit Museum, and they have a space within Grand Central. Um, and we really love that one. Like I said, it's free, which is always really nice. And Grand Central, um, as many people know, celebrated their 100th anniversary, their centennial this year. So this is kind of the end of the centennial year. So the um, the train show is even more exciting than ever. They have a limited edition Lionel model of Grand Central that's there, mini versions of city landmarks like the Brooklyn Bridge and the Empire State Building, you know, and kids and everyone just loves, you know, kind of roaming around Grand Central when you don't have to worry about taking the train. So you can check out that, check out the beauty of Grand Central while you're in there.
0: We talked about Manhattan a little bit there with the American Museum of Natural History. We talked about the Bronx, but what's to do in Brooklyn?
1: Well, in Brooklyn, um, one fun thing um, that, you know, people of all ages would like is the Brooklyn Fleas Gifted Holiday Market. This is in Williamsburg, um, and Williamsburg, as everyone knows, has become such a hot spot for for everyone, for, you know, young 20-somethings and for families. And this popular um, holiday market, you know, a lot of the the bigger holiday markets are in Manhattan, so the Columbus Circle and the Bryant Park, but this one over in Brooklyn um, is showcasing locally made um, gift items that are really, really great for the holiday season. It's a much larger um, space. it's in this year in Williamsburg. Um, So you'll want to check that out. You know, really fun to do over there.
0: No question a great thing to do during the winter months is go to the movies. What do you suggest when it comes to kids in the movies?
1: That's great. Um, yeah, there's so many holiday movies. Frozen, um, which is Disney's big movie, um, and lots of big blockbusters, you know, coming to all the theaters. But what else is really nice is over at Film Forum, they've been having a Film Forum Junior Series, and, um, and we absolutely love it. They screen, you know, family-friendly silent movies and musicals and animated features and classic comedies. For December, they have uh, movies like Poor Little Rich Girl, Monkey Business, uh, Meet Me in St. Louis, so some classics that you can really share with your kids. For
0: those not familiar with the Film Forum, where is that?
1: So the Film Forum is downtown. It's on um, Houston Street.
0: Okay. Okay. So, Rory, we talked about doing things indoors, but what about those who want to brave the elements and still spend time outdoors in the winter?
1: Right, and that's the thing about New York City, right? Even though it's cold, there's still such great things to do outside if you bundle up properly. Um, This is the year of ice rinks. There's no shortage of new ice rinks um, that your family can try out. Um, McCarran Rink opened up a few weeks ago. It's been hugely popular. There's a new rink opening up at South Street Seaport. There's one at... um, Brookfield Place, which is by the World Financial Center, and then Lakeside, um, which is a huge, huge project in Prospect Park, which is going to be opening in December, another ice skating rink. Um, and then there's also, of course, all the ones that everyone loves. So um, ice skating rink in Bryant Park, in Central Park, at Rock Center. No
0: question, kids love hot chocolate. Any recommendations for where to get a That's good hot true. chocolate? That's true.
1: They do love hot chocolate. City Bakery always has great hot chocolate. Jock Torres, um, you know, just so many places with really good hot chocolate.
0: Rory, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Stay warm. All right. Rory Halperin is the editor for Time Out New York Kids. And that's it for this week's Cityscape past episodes of the show are available in our archives at wfuv.org slash cityscape. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter for show updates and New York City tidbits. We're listed on both as WFUV Cityscape. I'm George Boraki. My thanks to senior producer Morlene Chin and producers Alana Holbrook and Veronica Volk. Have a great weekend.
1: It's WFUV and WFUV HD New York.
3: Listener-supported public media from Fordham, the Jesuit University of New York. Music discovery starts here.